0: Thanks for joining us today. This is Colors in the Void, episode number four, where we're going to be exploring the topic of death. Death impacts everyone differently. In this episode, we'll explore death, dying, and grief. And the keys to happiness require identifying emotions, self-doubt, and living authentically. And death is certainly no exception. The loss of a loved one can be the most stressful event and uh, can cause a major emotional crisis. And after the death of someone you love, you experience bereavement, which is literally means to be deprived by death. Um, you're joined here today. My name Matt. We're here with Billy from Hawaii. How are you doing today, Billy? hey guys hey Matt I'm doing great. How are you doing buddy? Great, happy Sunday. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Colors in the Void is uh, kind of an accepting place where two lifelong friends, Billy and Matt, speak about emotions, vulnerability, death, disease, addiction, medication, meditation, marriage, friendship, music, and much much more. Uh, if you are trying to find another level, if you uh, are grasping for something or searching for some answers and solutions, hopefully we can provide some some uh, some content for you that will be meaningful and help you go to the next level. If you're already at the higher plane, hopefully uh, we encourage you to participate um, and, you know, leave some comments in the notes section in the show notes. Also, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you can certainly uh, provide those to us and we'll try to address them on air. Uh, so Billy, how was your week? How was the, how's your Ironman training uh, going? Tell us a little bit about that. Give us an update.
1: Good, good. It's been a good week. I've been um, gearing up for a half Ironman, which is next week Saturday, June 4th. And uh, this week is actually the first of two what we call taper weeks. So I'm scaling back a little bit of the volume of the swim, bike, and run training, uh, keeping a little bit of the intensity. And uh, I've just been feeling really solid. And this will be my third time participating in this particular half Ironman race. And I'm looking forward to my best one yet. Hopefully it works
0: out. So, yeah, you did the Kona Ironman last year. Remind for those listeners who aren't familiar with a full Ironman, tell us what the full Ironman uh, mileage is on each of the different segments. Sure. Well, Ironman
1: is uh, particularly the name of a company, um, but they also uh, sponsor races with the same distance, what they call Iron Distance. And an Iron Distance race is a a triathlon consisting of three uh, disciplines, swimming, biking, and running. Uh, the iron distance triathlon is a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike followed by a full 26.2 mile marathon. All, All, all in succession with no, no breaks. Correct. And there's a, uh, a cutoff maximum cutoff time of 17 hours, uh, for the entire race. And each discipline has a cutoff time also. So, um, you can't quite dilly-dally. you got to push yourself through the entire day to
0: make the cutoff time. Well, good. Why don't you, before we get into today's topic, tell, give us a little preview of next week's episode and, and why we're going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, so, again, um, next week's Sunday is our episode five of Colors in the Void, and uh, it'll be the day after my half Ironman, which is half of the distances I just talked about previously. And um, I thought it would be an opportune time to talk about overcoming struggles and potentially overcoming fears, because struggles can be both mental and, and physical. So how about overcoming struggles and fears for next week's episode? Matt, what do you think?
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, you, you've got some pretty amazing uh, stories to tell and tools to help our listeners uh, find new new depths and descriptions in, in struggle and pain. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Uh, it's kind of interesting that we chose the topic yeah. of death this week. Um, Memorial Day is kind of celebrating our, our fallen heroes. I was just looking at a stat. Um, I believe like 611,000 soldiers died in the Civil War and like 405 in World War II and like 111,000 in World War I. Wow. Um, you know, the, the Iran-Iraq War, by comparison, is about 5,300 from 2001 to present. You know, and all of them are important, but it's kind of interesting to see that, that type of casualty. So thank you to those who, who gave their life uh, for, for our country, certainly not to be forgotten. Uh, but getting yes, on to definitely. today, hey, yeah, Billy, tell us about you, – you, you. Think I think you have some some unique perspectives on death. And, you know, I think we're going to try to kind of circle back to, you know, coping. And, you know, really the goal is to be happy. You know, in this world you've you got to find and, and struggle – and, and grasp for happiness and uh you can get complacent and lazy and let doubt and uh pain and fear and and anxiety creep into your world but you know being happy is a choice and you gotta you gotta work for it and um but you know go tell us a little bit about your, your spin on on death and and what you have to say on that
1: yeah, no, I agree with you, Matt, that happiness is certainly, uh, again, it's the des- or not the destination, but the journey, and it's the daily practice of that. And before we really jump into the meat of things here, um, I hope it's okay, Matt, that I share with our listeners that how ironic it is that we're choosing death as a topic today, when in fact, it's your birthday today, Matt.
0: Happy birthday, Matt. It is my birthday. It, it is my birthday. Yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm, thank I'm very you. happy that you were born. I uh, appreciate that. I was talking to my mom. She's uh, in her eighties. And I said, you know, what do you remember? She's also got some memory issues, but she, she, I said, what do you remember? She's like, well, I remember you were born and I loved you so much. And then I breastfed you. <laughs> I was like, okay. Thanks mom. <laughs> um, and, and another Great. funny story. My, my dad, yeah, my dad passed away in uh, about four months ago. And, um, he, uh, yeah, I'm the youngest of seven children, so this is a true story. Uh, they kind of, You kind of run out of names, you know. I mean, he had kind of gone through all the names. He didn't have a name when he got to the hospital. And back in those days, you know, dad would sit in the waiting room and, you know, smoke cigarettes while, you right. know, mom would be in the delivery room. And he was kind of chatting with the – it was at a Catholic hospital. He was chatting with the nun at the, uh, the reception desk. Uh, my dad is also a World War II veteran, but he was chatting with the nun at the reception desk, and he's like, I don't know what we're going to name him. We've used all the names. And uh, she had two statues next to her kind of at the reception window, you know, these little, you know, 12-inch high statuettes, and they were two saints. And he's like, what are the names of these saints? And it's like, well, this saint is Matthew and this saint is Stephen. So I was named Matthew Stephen after two statues at the hospital I was born in because my dad ran out of names. Um,
1: (laughs) That's great. You're a little bit more than statues, Matt, I have to say that, but that's a great story. Thanks. Good stuff. Yeah.
0: Hey, so um, what's your take on it? What's your take?
1: You know, it, I thought it was kind of uh, funny when um, you were introducing this topic and we're talking about death and grief and mourning and, um, you know, this overall tone of sadness when it comes to death. But what if actually death is um, not that? I mean, certainly we would go through experiences of loss right? If someone moves from this plane to the next plane, um, spiritually through death and we don't have that person in our existence anymore, but what if the death is actually the beginning of everything in that person's life? And, and our human existence here is just kind of like waiting in the dugout for that to happen. That kind of puts a whole new spin on it, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. It does. You know, and I think, you know that that can be echoed in a lot of the various different world religions. That you know a lot of people believe that, you know that that eternal life, that life beyond this physical one, is is kind of by definition supposed to be better. You know, one thing that I've always been kind of tuned into my whole life was, I don't I don't grieve or mourn the deceased. I grieve and mourn the people who are left behind who have to deal with that person not in their life anymore. You know, and that's why you know in our show notes it says bereavement is. To be deprived by death, so I, I grieve. I am bereaved because death is to deprive me of something important. But the one who who passes on, it's almost like they're, you know, they're going to a better place. They're 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 going to get to enjoy uh, something much more beautiful and wonderful. And we, we don't all know what that is, and we give it different definitions, and we have different, you know, fantasies about what that might look like. But I think you know most people and most you know, whether you're uh, religious or faithful or spiritual or, or none of the above, most people kind of agree that there's some sort of something that happens after the fact. Some, some, you go somewhere. And most people feel that to be a better place. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, makes it kind of easy to get perspective. When someone dies, uh, it's a celebration, you know. And that's when I die, I, I want people to have, I want a party. You know, I want people to have a great time and really celebrate my life and celebrate w- where I'm going whatever that might mean to them, and, um, you know, and just helped each other through that short period of time where though they won't have me in, in – and, and, you know, to say that I won't be in their life anymore and to say my father who passed away four months ago isn't in my life anymore, he's absolutely still in my life, you know. And, in fact, depending on how you're wired, you know, he might be showing me the way even more now in death than he did when he was alive, you know. I think that you can – be reminded of right. what he stood for and what he cared about and how he carried himself and make sure that you, you know, you follow the, the the good things and the way that person touched you. The rest of your life, you have a debt to pay. You have a requirement to honor them while they were living by, you know, picking their best parts of them and trying to celebrate those, you know, moving forward.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the um, classic thinking is that there's, death, there's a finality to it. Um, And certainly you would be heartbroken to think that your loved one that you will never, ever, ever see again. It's completely final, just done. That's pretty brutal. But a different mindset could be, um, this person is not with me now. But when I pass on to the spirit world, we're going to be together again in a much happier place without all of our human suffering. So, you know, it's, it's really just a time scale, uh, variable that we're talking about here. Right. So, you know, your kids, when you leave for work in the morning, they're not bereaved because they think, Oh, we get to see daddy in the evening time. Okay. Well, if you just extend that time scale for a couple few decades, you know, there's, you're gonna be bummed for sure, and I'm not trying to dismiss uh, grieving by by any means. Um, but I think it's the way that we conceptualize loss. You know, just that idea of loss—you're losing something. No, you're not losing something. You're just putting it on pause, and maybe it's the pauses for a long period of time. But it's really the way that you conceptualize it and you think about it um, that creates certain feelings. I mean, that's the essence of cognitive behavior therapy is the thought creates the feeling. So if the thought is this person is gone forever, well, yeah, you're going to be pretty dang bummed. But if the thought is this person is in an awesome place, good for them, and I'm going to see them whenever my time is ready, it's still a little bit of a bummer, but the magnitude is a lot less, I would think, you know?
0: Yeah, I think you're talking about time turns elastic
1: Oh, best song
0: ever. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You make a good point. I love your dugout analogy. And also, you know, the, I think kind of what I'm hearing is, you know, in the scheme of eternity, you know, our, our life here, 30, 40, 50, 70, a hundred years might be a decimal point in the total existence. And so if that's true, it's a very right. small piece of the entire puzzle, and exactly. and 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 if we are reunited with our loved ones, as I hope we would be, and maybe it's in a very other dimension, another way of, of of understanding what that is. You know, maybe it's just through pure love or joy or just you know energy or emotions. You know, but but that you could be with that energy again. Uh, perhaps, or, or or that physical body again, perhaps, or you know, who knows what that looks like. But I, I do believe that <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you're reunited with those people in your life, whatever form that takes is unknown. But I'm sure it's again a, probably a better and more beautiful form than the one we had here on Earth. Um, and if and if and if our time on Earth is is one tenth of, of our our time together, then why get so hung up on you know, hey, this person left earlier, died young, or you know, isn't with me now, you know, you get to carry the good parts of them with you for the rest of your time on earth. And you get to be, you know, with them in, in, you know, the space beyond, which may be significantly longer and, you know, and even more profoundly beautiful than, than the time you spent together on earth. So uh, it's all about making a choice. You just got to choose to have the perspective that, that celebrates, you know, you taking ownership of, trying to be happy and trying to find the silver lining.
1: Right, right. Can I can I tell a little story about that kind of reuniting, if that's okay? Um, sure. When I was in fifth grade, living back in Virginia, in Charlottesville, where I grew up, um, my grandparents died. And initially, um, it was my grandma. Uh, they, uh, grandma and Grandpa lived in Delaware in a nursing home, and Grandma had um, pretty severe arthritis, and gr- Grandpa's role in life was to care for her. So we got a call one night that Grandma had died, and um, we went up for her, um, her ceremony and to support my grandfather, and we um, were there for about a week and a half or so. And in that time when we were there and we were staying in a nursing home with grandfather, um, we didn't know at the time, but with hindsight, grandfather stopped taking his uh, medication for his heart condition. He apparently in his mind just couldn't continue living without her. They were so closely connected. So it was about a week after my grandma's passing and it was one particular afternoon and uh, my father and I were going to head downstairs. There's a cafeteria in the nursing home and I um, asked grandfather if he wanted to come down and eat some lunch in the cafeteria. And he said, no, 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 you guys go, go ahead. ahead. Wait, if you want, you can bring me something. So we walked out and went over to the elevator and out of the elevator walks one of the attendants to go in and, and check on grandfather. So we said hi and we're just getting into the elevator. And um, as the door is closing, the attendant yells down the hallway, Mr. Rickards, Mr. Rickards, come quick. And so we come back in into the room and my grandfather is having a heart attack in his lazy boy chair in the corner and he's dying. And uh, it was the first time and I, to my recollection the last time that I ever witnessed somebody die in front of me and I watched him go from life to non-life and turn blue and, um, and there he was, dead. And for about three or four minutes and then he smiled after being dead for a handful of minutes. And my dad and I looked at each other and said, oh, they're back together because that smile was his smile every time that he saw his wife. And uh, that really struck me that she was just there waiting for him and they were back reunited that way. Maybe it was a physiological reaction, maybe it was just the body tensing its muscles. Who knows, but it really did seem like that kind of reuniting happened at that point. that was really neat
0: to see, yeah, that's a great story i've I've never seen someone pass in person you know when my my oldest brother died middle of last year and uh and uh my sister kind of had him in her home for the last couple of months of his life. And and she saw him pass, and that was a really kind of special privilege for her, she said. Um, and then I, my sister, um, my a different sister, uh, was with my father when, when he passed. Um, yeah, there, there's a finality to that. It's kind of interesting, our whole, you know, death and, and burial and, and our that whole ceremony around that is really about letting people, you know, come to terms and see that lifeless body. Like, it's there's a truth there. It's like they're no longer with us. It's I think it's a very important part of the process is to be able to, to see your loved one not here anymore. Because a lot of people hold on and, and they can't overcome it. They can't get past the grief because... You know that's why it's so tragic when someone is, you know, uh, missing an action or dies mysteriously, or you know, that's that's to be, to be deprived of of the opportunity to mourn in the presence with your loved ones, you know, where their soul and, and spirit have passed on, but their their physical body is still with you. I think it would be really hard not to have that. But it's really amazing that you were able to see your your grandfather be reunited in joy with his his bride so quickly. Um, so. Yeah, that,
1: that that was really cool. Um, and again, you're just, you know, speaking to the, the finality concept of death, and, and we discussed that earlier. Um, but I, I would ask you, Matt, if I could ask you a question um, in regards to grief. Um, do you have any ideas, tips, tricks, Interventions that um, help, help with the grief process? Because um, certainly there is a mourning and a, a bereavement that happens when we lose someone on this plane. And um, I'm just wondering if, you know, you said that you've been through some of those experiences and uh, maybe curious what's helped you personally move through that process to a final place of acceptance um, and peace. Um, I think one of the the biggest bummers is is when someone gets stuck in that grief process and um it feels like it was yesterday, even though it might have been four years ago. Uh, help us with that
0: yeah um I don't have a lot of good answers we you know we got about ten minutes left so i'm gonna i'm gonna share a couple of maybe blocks that I have and uh so, some kind of my personal experience with that—I um, don't know if I have any words of wisdom for our listeners in this regard, uh, other than one. But you know, I, I didn't really grieve my brother or my father. I grieved my brother a little bit because he had a tragic life, and there, there was a happiness and joy to knowing he had to have been going to a better place. If you had lived his life, you'd, you'd have you'd have prayed for death long ago. But um, so so that was kind of a different phenomenon. But, but there wasn't a personal grieving there, and not with my father either. And, and so I, I think the, the tool or the lesson I can give the listeners, at least as it pertains to me, and then I'm going to kind of make a vulnerable confession. Billy's a professional psychologist, so he'll get the head treat me after he hears what I'm about to say. But let me give you the the, <laughs> the, the, the good advice side, and then I'll give you the, 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 the vulnerable side next. But the, the good advice is, you know, I live my life, I try to live it to the fullest. I try to live it with honesty and integrity. I, I really try to drink it all in and, and celebrate those around me. And, and so the way I live my life and, and and I feel like I didn't leave anything on the table with my father. And if I should pass tomorrow, I hope to say, you know, I'm not going, don't mourn me because I, I, I burned brightly. And, you know, I, I, so I think, you know, the mo, the the best remedy against grief and, and, and feeling regret is, you know, if you need to say you're sorry to someone, call them and say, you're sorry. If you haven't, you know, if that relationship's a little rockier, that bridge is on, on bad foundation, you know, re- reinforce that and really try to make sure you leave it all on the table with the people that you love because that's when I think the grief is worse, when you, when you don't do that. Okay, so that's my advice. And then my confession is, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's like I have this – I haven't really I, – I never cried about my father. I didn't cry about my brother. I, I really never felt these moments of deep sadness either. Yeah, I might be, you know – um Masking, you know, maybe some deeper sadness, you know, with, with this thinking that maybe I, I live my life with them in, in a way that was was worthy of, of not being sad about it. But um, I don't know. I think a lot of people struggle. Some people people grieve differently. So I'll kind of let you take that. You know, right. that I never really cried, never really had deep emotion, and and even, even the thought of someone else in my family dying does not strike me with great sadness at, at any point. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's. I just refuse to be sad, or and is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. No, no. no. I a, think you know, what
1: I've seen in, is everyone experiences emotions differently, right? And um, so some people's depths of of sadness would be really great, and some people's wouldn't. And it doesn't mean it's better or worse or right or wrong. It just is. Each person emotional. Each person's emotional. Uh, presentation and way of being their emotional um, intelligence, so to speak. Um, So I think it's a couple things that I think about when we talk about moving through the grief process, I think um, specifically, um, number one, creating some type of ritual Or some type of memorial, if it's a a shrine on your mantle, or if it's a some type of ceremony on the anniversary of that person's death. Really, to to just honor that person, to keep their memory alive, is very very healthy. Um, And at the same time, in the middle of the grief process, number two, trying to be as social as possible. Um, Emotions generally really hard emotions and there's um maybe we can link a show note here matt about the kubler ross uh grieving process and there's different feelings that we go through as far as shock and denial and sadness and anger and bargaining uh, bargaining is the idea of uh you know i could have done this or i should have done this it's it kind of anchored in regret And all of these feelings that we go through are very normal and very natural. And they're a part of the process that we work through towards moving towards acceptance and assimilating this loss into our day-to-day reality and and being able to move forward. And all of these hard emotions are much better buoyed with other people. Um, Sitting alone, brooding on those and just sitting in the middle of those without really doing much about it, except feeling those. It's important to feel those, but when we feel those with other people and we share those with other people, and when we have the strength and the courage to be vulnerable, to share those with other people, what I've seen is that it helps us move through that cycle a little bit more effectively or a lot more effectively, I should say. Um, So we're not really necessarily stuck in anger You know, a lot of people are angry at God. How could dare you take my wife from me? Um, You know, that that type of thing. Or they're they're stuck in sadness and can't seem to find anything good in the world anymore. And that metastasizes as a depression. Um, When we're out and about and we're social and we're active, those types of feelings, even though they're hard, they don't last as long. The duration isn't as long as what I've seen. So I guess I'm kind of answering my own question there, um, but I think those are a couple of really important things to do um, if you are at this point or in sometime in the future working through a, a death of someone close to you.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. You know, we, um, I had to do the eulogy and uh, I remember, uh, you know, because I'm the youngest for of who? seven, it was kind of interesting for my father. For you. Pretty dead. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and you know, the youngest of seven uh, being the person, I, w- I was all in. You know, I was like, absolutely, I want to do the eulogy. But it's kind of interesting because you, you know, there's a lot of brothers and sisters who might have wanted that honor. And, and I remember being sensitive to that, and I was just like, hey, you know, I kind of gave I, I gave everybody an opportunity to kind of, you know, it was kind of a, a, understood. It was like an unspoken thing that I would do it. But as we started talking about who was really going to do it. You know, and I wanted to do it, but I was like, uh, you know, I was even, you know, con- conceding that, you know, may- maybe, you know, you being the oldest, it would be better if you did it. Or, you know, um, I you know, I, I even said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to say my words. I'm going to be able to have my, my time to celebrate and say what I need to do. It doesn't have to be the eulogy. But everybody kind of just kept punting it to me because I don't think anyone really wants to do the eulogy. But, but I kind of felt really right. inspired to do it before my dad's uh, service, uh, we had like a little, you know, snack in the vestibule off the wing of the church and each of my brothers and sisters were able to say a few words and it was very emotional, um, and cathartic. And I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, I was emotionally on the ropes. Like I, you know, I didn't break out crying, but I was, I was sobbing inside and I'm thinking, Oh no, you know, now I got to go see my father's body. And then I have to go up in front of, you know, a church full of people and try to give some eulogy. Um, Uh, And and then when I got to my dad's viewing, to his casket, and I saw him, I snapped right out of it. You know, I thought, like, my nieces are coming by, you know, tears streaming down their faces. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be. And I saw him laying there and I immediately snapped out of it. You know, either because I knew that wasn't him and the person that I I loved anymore or it was him sitting there saying, man, the battle station, brother, it's time for you to get up there and do your job. But whatever it was, I I snapped right out of it. Being around people, you're right, you know, those people who took the time to come to that service and um, it's really important to surround yourself with with people who care and people who understand what you're going through. Um, Right. Yeah. And it's important to be sad. You know, that's kind of why I was making that confession. You know, you can't bottle it all up. You can't pretend like it's not there. It's really important to grieve. You know, I, I made my mom a calendar, 12-month calendar, all these old photos of, you know, dad from the war and dad playing baseball and dad with all their their wonderful children. And, you know, uh, you know kind of as a way, and, and my sister's like, oh, I had to take it down from her wall. It made her too sad. I was like, no, that's good for her. You should let her see that. Um, and, you know, and she kind of agreed, you know what, mom does need to kind of go through that. You need to, don't be afraid to cry and let it go and let it out, you know, but, but realize that everybody's in a better place and, and, you know, it's all going to be okay. Hey, we're running out of time. Let me kind of wrap things up here. Thank you for tuning into colors in the void episode four. today's topic was death. I've been joined with Billy uh, from Hawaii. Please join us next week when Billy tells us about Iron Man and overcoming pain and fear.